This podcast may contain content that is not suitable for listeners under the age of 18. If you are 17 or younger and wish to educate yourself about sex and relationships, you should visit scarletine.com. That's scarletine with one T. Hey, I'm Alicia, your non-monogamous relationship coach. Welcome to the podcast where my friends and I chat about our relationships, enthusiastic non-monogamy, polyamory, swinging, kink, and our lives. You'll get a candid peek into what makes it worth it to live life outside the box. And in case you're still wondering, nope, we're not monogamous. Isn't jealousy the worst? Today I'm talking to my dear, dear friend Wilder that you might remember from episode three of Nope, We're Not Monogamous all about jealousy in non-monogamy and how to process all these really hard, complicated feelings and move through them without blowing up your relationships. Wilder is in a closed triad with a married couple and so gets to experience all of these feelings of being essentially being the third person in, a, in an established relationship. And moves through it so beautifully and is sharing a lot of the the ways that she's done that. And I share a lot of my own experiences of being someone who is in a marriage that brought more people into it. And, and the feelings of jealousy from that side. Uh, there's so many really interesting dynamics and so many things to navigate here. I hope you enjoy it. And don't forget to leave us a review. That would be amazing. I did it. You did it. <laughs> um, oh, I remember. I was going to look up when you were on before because I don't remember what episode it was. Oh, it was the fourth one. It was episode number four when Wilder was on. Nope, we're not monogamous. Yeah, it was about polyamory and families. Blending polyamorous families or something like that. That's right. Mm-hmm. That was so good. Yeah, that was really I good. It. I love talking to you. I love talking to you. Thanks. So let's talk about jealousy. I'm so excited. We've been talking about this for so long. I, I know, right? I've seen so many things and I, I know that I've messaged you a hundred times just like, oh my gosh, we should talk about this. Oh my gosh, we should talk about that. So I'm just really super jazzed to be here. And like, it's one of my favorite topics to talk about. As you know, I send you some spicy Marco Polo sometimes about this very topic. So uh-huh. yeah. 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 I think what I find is people want a like quick and dirty answer to how not to feel it right and and like validation that it's wrong to feel it or that it it confirms their pre-existing belief that they are not actually non-monogamous if they feel jealous like it's a failure somehow but also at the same time people and i i wrote about this people love to hold on to that jealous identity as like this stopping point i can I'm go no jealous. further I am jealous, therefore I cannot. I hear that all the time. Or I'm feeling jealous, so that means my partner is doing something wrong and harming me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. No, you're I'm having an jealous. emotion. <laughs> I'm feeling jealous, and so therefore, my and but I believe my partner is not doing anything wrong, but because I feel jealous, they should stop what they're doing so that 
I don't have to struggle with this feeling. They should slow down what they're doing so that I don't have to struggle with this feeling. They should reduce what they're doing so that I don't have to struggle with my feeling. What's really fascinating is that it doesn't occur to us to, you know, to ask anybody else ever to stop what they're doing so that we don't have to have a feeling, you know, I mean, we do, but we understand the ridiculousness of that. We have, we have a newborn baby screaming in our arms and we're overwhelmed and at the end of our rope, but we don't expect that we could ask it to stop what it's doing so that we wouldn't have to have a feeling or say to our boss, you know, please stop. That gives me a feeling or, you know, the car that's breaking. We just, we, we live in a world where that's not a thing, but with our partnerships, we, we think it is, you know, it's funny with the baby thing. We would ask for someone to help support us. Maybe watch the baby so we could take a shower or a nap with the car thing. We would call a mechanic or a tow truck or somebody who knows something about the fucking car. Yep. Or we'd, we'd call a best friend and go, Oh crap, my car's broken down. I feel really overwhelmed and I don't really know what to do. Can I talk through this with you? Or can we get a drink at the end of a crappy day? so I can process this. Or, I mean, we, we have all of these ways that we take care of ourselves, but it's so fascinating to me how I'm just going to blame monogamy culture. I'm I just was gonna just do about it. to say, why do you yeah. think that is? I have theories. I'm that- yeah, I'm just going to do, I mean, I really think that without monogamy culture is really like centering the possessive nature of relationships. And so if you, if something triggers a feeling of possessiveness, then it must be wrong because if if we're hitting that wall within our relationship, it means now we are transgressing someone else. That measurement actually never starts with us. It doesn't actually matter. We don't explore whether we're transgressing ourselves. We are literally taught in this culture to not transgress others at the expense of ourselves. And so it's, it's yeah, that whole um, relationship, jealousy reinforces all of that. It basically is just like the scaffolding behind that wall that just holds it all up and says, yes, you are correct. You can go no further. This is too hard for you. You should, you're doing, so, if you feel jealous, something wrong and bad is happening. Like we can even press through shame, which is really interesting. Like we feel shame. We can still take action. We can still push through. There's an expectation that we would work through that somehow. But if you're jealous, full stop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. Let's all agree to be paralyzed and stranded on our backs. Yeah. I um, recently read something about it. I don't remember what it was and I wish I did, but it was basically kind of a, a history. It was a quick history of monogamy. Oh, it was a video. I still don't remember what it was though. I'll see if I can find it and put it in the show notes. Um, but it was a video, on a quick history of monogamy. And they were talking about um, how uh, in the Victorian era, we could, when when marriage became this romantic thing and about love, when romanticism became this big thing. And I, I have this feeling that like jealousy as part of mm-hmm. that, like romanticism, like it, it has its roots in there, like, you know, big dramatic things along with all those big dramatic clothes and, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, yeah big romantic actions and, and um, yeah, it's just, we love, I mean, we love passion, right? Like we love to be swept away. We love sexual passion. We love to be taken out of ourselves. And I think jealousy is one of the shadow ways we engage passion. 
you know, like it, it's acceptable to be in shadow in public and be, I mean, I know that when I got into my relationship, I became the shittiest part of myself I've ever known myself to be capable of. And I, all I knew was that I was struggling and suffering and I knew that I didn't feel understood and I didn't feel heard. I didn't feel properly supported because I just kept feeling bad and it never felt good. And, and the things that felt bad, no matter how much work I did continue to just feel bad. And so I really can look back and see, you know, my partner's calling me out and saying like, when we go on a date, you say shitty things. And I didn't realize that. And I'm, I'm like, I'm like super self-aware, but I would go, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, I would just spit venom, like your date night, like, and I just, you know, I, I didn't even feel bad when it was happening. It was like, I need to be witnessed in this feeling I'm having and I'm isolated in a pandemic and I can't go to a friend and I can't go to the movies and I can't have someone come here. We're isolated. And, and they were the only people I could be with. And so if they remove themselves from me, boy, I had just nothing but fucking vitriol for it. And it wasn't until some time passed that I started to grow some capacity because I was doing that work because in my, in my sober state, my non-intoxicated with jealousy state, I desire to be the best version of a partner as I know how to offer to my lovers in, in reflection to what I value. I work on those things all the time. And when I looked back and saw that I could have my unmet needs in one hand, but not toxify them getting their needs met. Those things could happen at the same time if I could get my shit together. And I didn't want to ruin or break the trust of my partners by being terrible. And the only way I could express my stranded feeling I was toxifying their time together and creating an anxiety for them that was not fair. And I mean, we've all done our own version of this. We've all, of course, you know, when you're in a non-monogamous relationship, there's no way around grappling with time, time without you when your partners are having time without you. It's, it's just something that, that you are signing up and agreeing to. Um, But for me, it was very hard because there was no, distraction. There was no support system. There was no have a friend over for drinks and and take up that time for myself. And so I think it really concentrated the anger that I was feeling about it. And, um, and they were remarkably patient with me. Um, and I mean, again, we have all had our own versions of that and continue to, but holy moly, I think I was probably the greatest offender. And in retrospect, what I felt was unrequited and unexpressed passion that had nowhere to go. And it was, it was shadow passion. You know, it was like, it just, so it just blasted everything because I passionately felt in love as well. And I passionately craved them and I passionately wanted to be with them, but I was getting, I couldn't do that thing. And so it just turned on itself and became something else. And, you know, you feel helpless to it, but you aren't you aren't you if you are having the hottest sex of your life you can still stop if someone says stop you can still change move your body you can still the phone can ring you still can come out of yourself and attend it and so this notion that we can't help ourselves because we're swept away in a feeling is a very childish and self-centered perspective and very self-indulgent 
perspective. So I had the option when I could, when I could come to a place of self-awareness to do something better than that. And I have always, every single minute, strive to do that thing. I think I'm a lot better at it now for a lot of reasons, but mostly I have the remarkably fortunate, and I can say that now, experience of partners who continue to let me be uncomfortable, even though I was suffering in my in my own experience, which it was not just about them. I was getting divorced. I had just moved out. Like there was a lot going on in my life, but they said, we're not doing anything wrong. You are having a feeling that really sucks. Mm -hmm. I don't know what we can do to support you. I don't know what I personally, or we together can do to support you and we're going out. So we'll check in with you later peace out, you know? Um, and it was, it was never cold and it was always, I'm sure with a lot of anxiety from them <laughs> of just knowing that I was, you know, here having my feeling, but, and, the, and what they would have to, what they would have to do to recover with me on the other side. But at the end of all of that, what I have is an enormous body of skill and self-awareness and the ability to recognize, you know, instead of getting to like level 27 before I go, Oh, shit, I'm, I'm jealous. Okay. 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 Now what do I do? And putting out a house fire, I can go, okay, that thing oftentimes leaves me feeling uncomfortable. I smell smoke. Let me investigate and tend the smoking match, you know, versus waiting till the house is on fire before I realize something's happening, which makes a much peace, much more peaceful experience for all of us. And the only reason I'm only talking about myself is that I don't think it'd be fair to talk about their experience, but because they're not here to represent themselves. And, but we've all definitely danced with these things and continue to. Um, I think we all feel much more skilled now, but I mean, also remembering we're in a closed triad in a pandemic. So date night for my partners did not equal date night for me. Mm -hmm. It did not, you know, so there was, you know, and my friends would say like, what are you doing? Go, go have a date, go, why are you just struggling at home by yourself? You could be dating. You just got divorced. You're not monogamous. Like that means you date if you want to. And I was like, I mean, no, that's not the arrangement that we have. That's not, that's not what we've consented to. And that's not how we would choose that. If, if that comes to us, that's not how we would go about it. I'm not going to punitively date so that I don't have to feel uncomfortable. I will sit in my discomfort instead because my job is to heal and be the best version of myself as I can. So by crikey, that's what we've been doing. <laughs> it's tough. Not to mention, not to mention a whole other level of, uh, or pile of discomfort that you would be piling on top of that at the same freaking time. Jeez. And how unfair that's that would a be lot to of I mean, how unfair would that to be to, I mean, I mean, I'm a very clear communicator. I'm, I'm very transparent. If I know it, I will say it. I don't, I don't have any reason not to tell you I'm in love with you or that I want to fuck you, or I don't, there's no, there's no risk to me because I'm giving you information and where that goes is co-created. And if that's nowhere, that's fine. There's no, I'm not taking a risk because we're going to continue on regardless. And so, um, if, if I had brought in someone else into the relationship, they would have known as much as I knew at that time about what my availability was emotionally, physically, you know, whatever, but still, and I recognize this, and this is part of why I never, I never chose it. I wasn't choosing to date someone because I met someone and was attracted to them 
and had a feeling for them and felt like advocating for that in my relationship, I was considering the remedy of my pain by choosing someone to come in and be a band-aid for that, which once I feel better than what, where are they left? Mm -hmm. And I'm so much about treating people like human, whole humans. And so that was part of my resistance as well. As much as my friends were like, this is really hard for you. I mean, I was learning how to be in a non-monogamous relationship in a pandemic, freshly divorced with a married couple who had also never been in a non-monogamous relationship. So like, I mean, so we're going to come in at like level 12. Yes. Completely, completely, (laughs) you know, and add to that the spice of, we do not communicate the same way. They've got, you know, 16 years of forging their communication style. And here I come in like a torpedo shooting it in the side, like guys, I'm here, let's do it this way. And they're like, Oh, what is that? You know? So, you know, we've had to like figure all that stuff out too. So no, 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 no. Adding another person in would have, it would have damaged trust. It would have slowed our progress. It would have, I, I just, I can't even imagine the harm that would have done to where we are now, but also dragging someone else along just so I could feel better. Not because I wanted them, but so that I could feel better. That's, that's not, that's not in my value system. So I chose not to do that thing and I have zero regrets and, um, yeah, here we are. So when I, you know, this week I'm here with my kiddo, I'm not going to see them probably very much this week. And, and I even, it's my first day without them today. And I definitely have feelings if they get to be together and I don't get to be there and, and I wonder what they're doing and, and, you know, the feeling of being left out because I physically logistically cannot be with them. And I go, Oh, high feeling. Okay. Yep. Yep. We've done this lots of times. I'm just going to be really gentle with you and distract myself and do things that feel good. And as much as my attachment style tells me to avoid connection, leave them alone, ignore them as much as possible, reject, reject, I'm going to choose connection and I'm going to try and be uncomfortable because I know long version, it's, that's where I want to go. I don't want to go to toxic engagement with my shitty feeling in the minute, in the moment that I'm having it, but it's exhausting. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Well, it is exhausting. My, one of my favorite things that you said, um, what, one of the things that I think is most, most important that people, I don't know, feel an aversion to is, um, recognizing it, recognizing that they're having, like that they're feeling jealous and naming mm-hmm. it. Right. Like, like that's the first step. Like if you have to, it, you have to be aware that it's there. Yeah. Right. I think, I mean, if you, if you really do feel like jealousy is an all stop failure, shame inducing experience makes sense to me why you wouldn't want to admit it. I mean, everybody has this feeling but I certainly know people who are reluctant to admit that they do because they have a narrative of what it means about them if they experience that, that it means that they're not good at non-monogamy or that they don't really want it or or that there's some other failure interlaced in there. So I can see where people would be, would be resistant to saying, I feel really jealous. It feels so small and petty and insecure and needy and, and childish and... And, you know, we, as Americans, we value our independence so highly. So how independent are we if we're just needy for our partners like that? You know, I should be able to walk away from you. I should, I should not need you at all. That's our culture. And so jealousy is in direct opposition to that, you know, like direct opposition, coveting something we sh- that we want. I mean, there's all, of course all the like spiritual 
you know, no knows about coveting things, but I, I'm not knowledgeable about that. So I'm not going to go there, but, um, I do know that, that, you know, there's a lot of religions who don't like that thing, but yeah, I think, I think if we, if we could just acknowledge jealousy as just part of our human experience, like everything else, then we can start to actually take care of ourselves in that place and take care of each other in that place in ways that aren't limiting and possessive and toxic. But I don't, we're not, I think non-monogamy is starting to teach us on a cultural level how to do that because we're the ones going, Hey guys, jealousy is normal. Nobody else says that. Hey guys, jealousy is normal. Uh, you know, Hey friends, I feel jealous too, but I have a whole system for that. Do you want to hear about it? Hey, you know, Hey y'all like, I was really jealous last night. Let me just tell you about the dumb thing I said. I mean, we, we make it out in the forefront and I don't, I've never experienced anybody else in relationships or just in our, in society, having those kinds of conversations the way that we do. So I think it's one of the biggest gifts of of the non-monogamy movement is the frank speak about jealousy. Yeah, absolutely. And the introduction of the concept of compersion. Oh my gosh. (laughs) The other thing, I, actually, the other thing that I would say together is the idea that we can have two opposing feelings at once. That's another thing that I think non-monogamy has given us is recognizing that I can be sick with jealousy and also so excited for my partners at the same time. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Alicia here. You know, the voice you've been tuning into episode after episode. Today, I'm popping in with an invitation that's really close to my heart. Behind the scenes, I've been crafting something special just for you, my dedicated listeners. If there's a voice inside you that's seeking guidance on navigating the realms of relationships and non-monogamy, um, wanting to like boost your confidence and find that unwavering sense of security, or you're struggling to manage the tricky waters of jealousy... I'm here to offer my support. I've cleared my schedule to open up 50 slots this month for free one-on-one clarity chats directly with me. So this is your opportunity to dive deep into those pressing questions and come out on the other side with newfound clarity and direction. The availability on this is super limited and these spots are going to fill up really fast. So don't miss your chance to connect with me. Head over to my website, aliciapayne.com right now. Go secure your spot because together we can uncover a path to a more joyful, fulfilling, and easy non-monogamous journey. Talk to you soon. Oh my God. So I saw Esther Perel speak last weekend and that was one of the, the, I actually got to, I got the microphone and I got to ask her a question about this exact topic. She was talking about relational ambiguity. This exact thing that you just said, like, this Mm -hmm. is a new thing for us culturally to have Mm -hmm. so much relational ambiguity because like we have the, the entire history of monogamy where everybody knew their roles. You knew what your, what your role was. You knew what the rules were. You knew what your obligations were. You knew once you said, I do, this was it. And you just stuck it out and you just did the thing, right? Like we knew you knew what to expect. And now for the first time ever. I mean, you know, that that we're aware of, we don't know our roles and we get to write our relationships and we get to like be the author of our own stories. And, and we actually have to hold on to that ambiguity of like, we don't have a hundred percent surety. We don't know all the answers. Yeah. And that's absolutely non-monogamy. Like we, we have to hold on to it. Like it, this isn't either or 
And that's what I think people think that like, why don't you just pick mm-hmm. one, pick, pick one of the people you like or something. Yeah. No, like we actually have to hold on to all of the things we get to hold on to all of the things. Yeah. I, the thing that I like about that is I don't know, like, I, I think it's very difficult to do non-monogamy well or any relationship well. I guess I'm using my own value system around that, but um, let, let me qualify and say when we're elevating ourselves to the highest potential that we have and therefore by proxy elevating our partners and providing them opportunities to elevate themselves, that to me is the highest version of relationship. So when when we're in pursuit of some version of that, pick your thing. We ha- we We can't just be constantly self-sacrificing and putting someone else first it forces us to come back to ourselves. It forces us to inquire and be curious. Um, it, it forces us to press into the bruised places and start to actually pay attention to them and find the edges. That's a, that's a phrase I love that I've said and <laughs> uh, is press the bruise, like press the bruise, find out where it's tender, but find out where the edges are because that's where the suffering stops. That's where the healing has begun. So if you can find the edges of the, of the tender place, you can find that that space grows more and more over time. It isn't that the bruise is shrinking, it's that the healing is growing. And so if you can press on the bruise and find those tender places and identify where that healing edge is, it's very centering back to yourself that you are a healing body. One of the things I love is when I started to learn about ACEs and trauma was realizing that I am healing all the time. I'm healing all the time. And I love to say to people, if you broke your arm, it's going to heal. It's it's going to heal. It might heal in a way that isn't helpful and functional, but your your cells are going to do what they need to do to heal that injury as best they can. But if you go to the hospital and you get a cast and you have an x-ray and we know exactly what you need and we provide it the right structure so that it can heal in, in a way that's going to continue to be useful to you. And there's no judgment here. You absolutely can just let your arm hang off your body and heal that way and live like that. If that's what you want, that's not good or bad. Just pick how you want to live. But if we don't, if we want to have the most capacity to live our best lives, we actually have to bring in others to support us in order to do that. So therapists and friends and people who can reflect back to us the places that we need to tend. But we also can't just go whacking our casted arm around and go swimming with it. We actually have to be really aware of ourselves and limit ourselves and have realistic expectations of our wounded, of our wounded experience and, um, and, and be really slow and patient while that process is happening. And so I just love the idea of somebody just having like a casted arm and like this wonky one and like you're healing either way you're doing it good good on you like you're doing it and also what if we leaned in to support and to the structures and to the good you know for lack of a better term medicine of um, use the ice yes gosh like you know have a friend come over and you know like do whatever you, in your jealous state do it where's the bruise where's that tender place and where does it stop feeling so acutely bad that you can actually identify that it's getting smaller over time, or if it isn't start to think about why, but, you know, circling back around, all of this brings us back to ourselves, exploring ourselves and understanding ourselves and monogamy, especially our cultural kind of monogamy that we have centers our other partner. I, they let me do this. I don't want to do this because I don't want my partner to feel these ways. Codependency is woven into our music. It's woven into our TV shows. It's woven into our advertising. It's woven. I mean, like 
it's on kids t-shirts. It's, it's everywhere. It's so, um, and it's not even a gender specific issue. So codependence is just, we're just drowning in it all the time. So it's very hard to kind of get outside of it. Yeah. It's hard to get outside of it and, um, and start to think where, when do I actually come first and not then go to, but what will it cost me? You know, you just get to come first and that's it. What if that was true? I just get to come first and that's it. And like, that could be literal and figurative. Just saying. <laughs> because, you know, that is an excellent tool for self-soothing. Kind of, I mean, sometimes is. you should get to come first, whether that's, you know, like with people or not, like that's really an acceptable thing. It's okay for the guy to come first. That's fine, guys. Do it. Just come back around. Show yep. up afterwards. <laughs> it's, it's not a... <laughs> It's not a formula, <laughs> you know, it's not over until everybody's done. So <laughs> what's with you? Like you have wow. this interesting polycule. And so that's something yeah. that you and I talk a lot about is just because you have, you know, I'm in this closed sort of concentrated experience. So, and yours is not as, you know, tightly woven as mine. And so I just, you know, and you and I've talked about your relationships and how you get, you're able to just enjoy different parts of the people that you're with and then not engage some of those tougher things because of the na- the way that your relationships are structured. So I just wonder, like, what are the things that, you know, come up for you that, um, like, where, how are you acknowledging your bruises at this, you know, you're a coach and you've got a podcast and you've got all this experience and people, I think, think that you get to a place where you don't feel jealous anymore. You're above it because, <laughs> you know, it's... Nope. It's this base, base primal thing we shouldn't have to experience. So certainly someone as experienced as you just wouldn't even have that feeling anymore. So tell us, Alicia, do you still feel jealousy sometimes? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. Thank you for asking. I absolutely feel jealousy. I am a person who experiences tons of jealousy, you know, and it's funny. <laughs> Rob said the other day, he was like, you're always telling people that you cried every day for a year. You make I make me sound like an asshole. And I'm like, I mean, if that's how you're reading it, but you're not. So I think it's funny that like, I don't remember. You said something earlier that made me think of this. Like I, I say that, like I cried constantly and it wasn't because my partner was doing something wrong. It was because I was feeling insecure and terrified that I was going to be abandoned, terrified that I wasn't as good as anybody else had even looked at. You know, like I just was so scared and anxious, mm-hmm. so anxious and pissed off sometimes. And those were all like, those were all wrapped up in jealousy. And so like, I did a lot of work and moved out of, not out of jealousy, but out of it being a thing that consumes me, that has me crying and screaming and mm-hmm. wanting to, you know, trying to find a, a quick solution and, you know, somebody is hurting me. I'm hurting. So somebody must be hurting me. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's um, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Fault is it? Oh, that's a really, really good one. Uh-huh. That's a really, really good uh, facet there because I, that's definite. I mean, we, I think I see that in polyamory groups. My partner feels really jealous. What do I need to do to stop them from feel, like to help them not feel jealous? Right. Because that's the other side of that. I feel bad. So someone must be hurting me, you know, mm-hmm. and that, and that harkens back to my, you know, the, the crappy way that I behaved sometimes when my partners were out, which was, your heart, you're hurting me. Like you're hurting me by doing this thing. And I logically understand that it's, 
reasonable and I want you to do it. And also it feels so bad. I can't understand how you could hurt me this way. And so, you know, what a, what a mishmash of things. So yeah, yeah, that's, I love that you said that it's, definitely part of it for sure. Oh, totally. Totally. Mm -hmm. And now, yeah, I still feel jealous often, but I'm able now to go, Oh, like I recognize, I recognize the first pings of it. And I go, Oh, I feel that. Oh my God. I feel this clenching in my stomach and like, and my hands are shaking a little bit and I just, I feel off kilter. And I know that it's because of this thing that is fine. Nothing bad is happening. Nobody broke any rules. Nobody's bypassed my boundaries. Nobody's harmed me. Nobody's even behaved in a way that feels uncaring of me. Okay. So what can I do to take care of me? Because this isn't their job. Um, I, I am a fan of like, I think early on, a lot of times like couples and people in relationships together need to learn how to co-regulate without being codependent, right? Like how to kind of help each other, you know, because some people, a lot of people will sacrifice and other ones will just put up big walls and go, it's not my fucking problem. Deal with it. Yeah. Um, Right. And so you have to find the, like the area in between there where you can go, Oh my God, I'm feeling really jealous. No, go on your date, do the thing you're doing. Like, I want you to experience the things that you want to experience. And I'm feeling this. So like, when you come back, would you give me a big hug or Mm -hmm. um, could you just, you know, tomorrow remind me that like, I haven't been abandoned. Yeah. Um, You know, just let me know. I'm still loved, please. If you could do that and being able to articulate that and get vulnerable and um, just share those things goes a long fucking way. Yeah, it really, I mean, it takes a lot of air out of it for me. I think I, you know, my, I have such different relationships with both of my partners and I need very, very different things from them. And so with Alex, I, I just need to know that I'm important to him in general. I need, I need all of our rituals of connection, but I, it's a much more macro type of love that we have for each other with Ashley. It's the like, the daily constant rituals of how we participate in loving each other. And whenever, you know, when, even still, when they go on dates, I'll be like, I'm so excited. You're going on this date this weekend. And then I'll be like, can you please tell me what you're doing so that I have a plan so that I know it's four o'clock, you guys are going to leave. I can shut my brain off from needing you or wanting you or engaging with you at the same time. Like I need to pretend you don't exist. That's what I was. I'm going to pretend I'm going to ignore you guys, but I never actually do that because what I know is, my, my abandonment issue is saying abandon first flight, flight response. You leave first, you decide gone. They the can't closure leave has happened. If I've left them, they can't leave me. But then the recovering part of my brain, the edges of my bruise go connection actually helps no matter how long they're gone. If it's two hours or seven hours, connection makes it easier. So just let it happen. And so I'll say to her, I need to ignore you while you're out. And she'll go, okay, okay. Alex doesn't, is not, when he's on a date with you, he is hundred percent with you. So I have zero expectations of engagement from him. And I, and like, it's so, it's so nice. Cause there's no failure. There's no, I can't believe, you know, cause we don't, I know, you know, I have his full attention when we're alone. I know she's going to, and it's wonderful with her. She juggles us more. And because I'm the one who lives separately, I need that extra little bit of connection. And she's, she can, she can hear me go, no, I don't want that, but please just a little bit, but no, 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 I'm good. I don't want to talk to you, but how are you doing? You know, and she can really dance in that place. And so 
it really did that, that like willingness to allow myself to have connection in that place when I just am having this huge abandonment reaction is it takes a lot of work. But at the end of the night, what you were saying, you know, I'm feeling these things. So can you please make sure to, we just, I'm so grateful have organically come up with that. They organically come back to me after a date and they both, they message me and they tell me things I'm able to hear at that time. And, you know, what I've been able to experience now is that if they go away and I come the next day and their cups are full for each other, they're now spilling that out on me. They aren't just this isolated entity that went away, had an experience and they don't love me anymore. They fill their cups up with each other. And they're like, look what we've got. Look at how full we are. Come, come, come here too. And let's, let's pay attention to you as well, because we feel so good and so full hearted. And I, it took me a little while to allow that to happen, but, and to recognize it, but now go with that one. (laughs) It's, it's very comforting to me now. Like, um, especially probably within the last few months and we've been together for two and a half years for me to go, and then I want to say something else about that. And I'm probably going to forget, but for me to go, oh, they're having a date, instant flush of jealousy, instant flush of insecurity, instant trigger of abandonment issues. And then I go, oh, but when I get back over there, they are going to be so, you know, and I just think about all the yummy ways they are when they've had connection. I'm like, yes. And then I can actually feel genuine excitement and it smooths out all those prickly feelings of insecurity, which, you know, they pop up a little bit like, oh man, I haven't heard from them in a while, but it's not that just like, I'm going to throw up, you know, in my kitchen sink and just like punch a wall kind of jealousy. It's like, oh, okay. Like, uh, waiting longer than I want for connection, but you know what? They're having a great time. So I, I just, I have, I, I really do believe that if you can step into that uncomfortable place of being in those hard feelings. And I mean, like, look it in the face, look it in the face, name it, figure it out and give yourself the time. Cause it is in my experience, so related to things I did or didn't experience earlier in my life. Those things are not remedied right now. Like even if they never had another date, it would not solve those wounds. I still have to go back and tend those things because I, my partners don't deserve to carry my trauma around and I don't deserve to carry my trauma around. And this is what my relationship shows me is here's your wound. Here's your wound. Here's your wound. And also we're going to surround you with love so that you can figure it out because we don't want that shit in our relationship collectively. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's like its own disgusting, terrible, horrible therapy. (laughs) So yeah, but what I wanted to, what the thing that I wanted to come back to, oh shoot, did I lose it again? Oh, I'm having the recent experience of having, having an experience that has triggered me for long periods of time, but being able to go, am I triggered right now? Or does it actually upset me? I'm just triggered. Like I actually feel really fine with this. My body's having an experience that my heart is not, or my brain is not. My body remembers this as being terrible. So it's ready for flight and it's ready to fight, but I'm going, why do I like, I have no problem with this thing happening at all. And so it's an interesting untangling of the parts of myself that have walked through these, these moments. Um, But I wanted to say that out loud because I think people tend to think that processing feelings is so black and white. You either feel something or you don't. You And you know, like it's either in your head or it's in your heart, but we forget that our bodies carry things too. And so I just want to put out there that 
you can be having multiple experiences of the same thing within your body at the same time. And that's not, it doesn't, they don't devalue each other or invalidate each other. It's just how you are experiencing it. And that's it. What are you going to do with it? That's actually the part that matters. Are you going to be shitty? Are you going to get support? Are you going to self-care? What does that look like? Are you know, are you going to communicate? Are you going to let yourself have connection? Are you going to martyr yourself on the wheel of, you know, how terrible it is? Like, what you going to do? Like, that's actually where I think the most important questions are. What you going to do? Yeah, yeah. Like, letting your emotions just dictate all of your actions is silly. Oh, it's so human. Yeah. It's so human. I mean, being human is silly. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, I, I agree. Being a walking, get... a walking, talking sack of meat is silly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Self-awareness of our meatiness as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you had said, oh, you said something really good. And it was about how Alex is really good at being very present on his date. So you have like no expectation of him connecting with you while he's on a date. Um, yeah, and so because you don't have that expectation, you're fine. And it, it, that was another thing that Esther Perel said this weekend. It was a quote that I wrote down was expectations are resentments in the making. Yeah, totally. Like, that's so good. I'm writing it down. I, I've definitely <laughs> heard that before. And mm-hmm. I definitely, I were, you know, curiosity is something I felt very comfortable with. And, and I feel like is a part of my natural language of life getting into the most incredible level of survival mode I've ever been in as an adult, removed the luxury of curiosity. I lived in expectation. I survived on the ritual of connection. I survived on, you know, I didn't have the luxury of curiosity. There was nowhere to put it. I actually, I couldn't wonder because every answer that wasn't the one I needed to survive was so absolutely terrifying to me that it was crippling. And so I I feel like curiosity is the remedy of expectation. But I also respect that some people are in a place of survival where expectation is just literally, babies aren't curious about whether they're going to get a boob. They expect it. And it's a survival mechanism. It's how they, they, they're wired to expect that if they are cold, someone will warm them. If they are crying, someone will pick them up. If they are lonely, someone will hold them. Like they're wired to expect those things. It isn't until they're older that they become curious. What will happen if I push this off the table? What will happen if I don't feed the cat? What will happen if I yell at my mom? I hate her. Like it's, those are, those are really core things. So I feel like if we're in a place of expectation, I expect you to know that's a big one, right? I expect you to know that bothers me and not do it. So I'm never going to say it. <laughs> I expect you to just know. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, I, I mean, we have a lot more tools as adults and those are very sort of infantile ways of going about relationships, just having expectations. But I, I, I mean, like unmet expectation, resentment, mm-hmm. but what's in between there is communication, man. Like, Exactly. Even if you're crappy at it, trying to communicate with somebody is the interruptus of that process. Don't you think? Yeah. 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 Fucking say something. Anything. I mean, write like, it down. Send me a letter. letter. <laughs> I am a big fan of... Com- okay, uh, a lot of people don't like to communicate over text because you can misinterpret a lot. I personally am someone who has a lot of 
resistance to face-to-face communication because of trauma. Um, (laughs) I love to express myself via text because I can take time to get the right words to express what I'm thinking and feeling without stumbling and tripping and having somebody interrupt me and tell me all the reasons why I'm wrong and start defending themselves. I can just say all the things. Here's all the information that you need, that I need you to have. And then what happens from there, then we can negotiate. (laughs) I mean, let me just say what a great tool Marco Polo has been for, for communicating my whole thought process without being interrupted as a person with ADD and trauma, being interrupted is very uh, communicatively destabilizing for me. It orients me to you instead of to myself. And then I I struggle to come back to my thought or my feeling or whatever, because now I'm paying attention to you. And so Marco Polo, I mean, I'm not getting paid by them. I give them my money every month so that I can send long polos. It is a sponsorship. Um, it, I, I, right, yeah. If you're listening, Marco Polo. Yeah, yeah. Great at poly tool. Yeah, at least give us, you know, free a free month or something. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like the opportunity that I have to say a whole thought process, but also my partner who has ADD and who she, you know, she also values being able to get her thoughts down slowly and at her pace so she can craft what she wants to say. She's, she, I think could relate to, you know, the, the messenger piece where then I have Alex who hates messenger and would never send a Marco Polo and will only really talk meaningfully in person. And so I have to wait for those moments when we are feeling communicative about something and then we're alone and, you know, or the environment's right. And and he's feeling open and I'm feeling open. And then we have those kinds of communications, but that was, you know, (laughs) very anxiety producing for me for a really long time, but now it's, you know, now it's, it's good. But I mean, I, what I say to my partners and all of my life is I want to understand you so that I can love you as best as I can. And so that I can love you the way that you receive love, not the way that I want to offer you love. Cause I don't, I feel like that's step one, like is let's just agree to love each other. But step two is how do you receive it? How do you receive love? And step three is having the courage to learn that language, even it, even though it might be in conflict with your own. So it's uh, I'm constantly curious about my partners and I'm constantly saying, I want to understand. And I'm asking them questions. And I'm like, Oh, please stop. I don't like that. You know, they're just like, let's just get through it. And, you know, and I'm like, but I want to understand. I want to understand it. I think that's why jealousy is such a, a fun topic for me because it has, it's been a bulldozer the last couple of years, a absolute out of my mind bulldozer. And I feel because of that one thing, I feel so much like I know myself better than I ever have before. I know more about my, I I never knew that I had attachment issues. I didn't know how little I trust other people. I didn't know how much I keep, uh, you know, uh, I refuse attachment with others. I didn't know how miserly I could be about love and affection. I mean, everybody, oh, you just, you're so loving. I hear that. You're so loving. And dude, I am a Scrooge in some places. I am, I have been nasty and, uh, (laughs) it's, it's good. It's really good. It's, it's good to not be one dimensional, but it's also shocking to realize just how kind of shitty you can be as a person at the same time when you, especially when you have such high ideas about yourself, you know, okay, I guess, I guess I am a human. I guess I do make a mess of things and Right. I find it funny how, um, how people 
respond so differently. Like, you know, like you're, you're a person who wants to withdraw and pull away and put up a wall. And whereas I'm someone who what like fawns and freezes and is just like, oh my God, I'll do anything to maintain connection with you even feel really shitty. I, yeah, that's definitely situationally. It's all of, you know, we all do all of those things, but I think my gut, my gut response, and you know, I'm, I have a therapist and we're talking about all these things and (laughs) Um, you know, an attachment theory is, is something that's worth knowing something about for sure. sure. But I think I definitely have offered to go way far out of my own comfort zone mm-hmm. in order to have connection. I'll come over there. It's 1030 at night. And I didn't sleep. I slept four hours last night and I've got to work tomorrow, but I'll come over there right now and, and rub your neck. If your head hurts, like choose me, choose me, love me, love me. Let me be the one that, that you value in this moment. And when they say, no, 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 that's silly. Like, I'll just, I'll just go without this. Why would you, why, you know, like it's logically them saying, no, like it's 10 30 night. You've had four hours of sleep. I'm going, you know, I feel so rejected. I feel so rejected. Like you just, you could have, you could feel better right now and it wouldn't cost you anything. And I just, I don't understand it. You know, so I have to like, I, you know, I've had to really learn about feelings and my feelings reactions versus logic. And I've also had to learn about my trauma reactions versus my present day adult capable self-supporting. I have a car. I can leave if I want. I pay my bills. I choose my hair color. I have a job, you know, like, I like that person doesn't make the same choices as the person who got wired for trauma, but the person wired for trauma is often driving the bus. And so I have to sort of, and, and like jealousy, again, it comes back to who's driving the bus right now. Am I feeling jealous because I'm afraid you're going to leave me? And I remember saying to Ashley one time as I feel like when you and Alex are out without me, that I don't exist. Not that you forgot me, not that you don't love me, but that I literally don't exist. And that you have to remember that I exist when you're done with your intimate time together. That you have to go, oh, right. We we have a girlfriend. What was her name again? Do we Do we still like her? Like, aren't we so great alone without her? That was my narrative for the longest time that when I wasn't there, they were just so glad I wasn't there. And it took Ashley a long time and Alex separately in their own ways to just go, what are you talking about? (laughs) What are you talking about? That literally makes no sense. And I, I had to kind of just try it on in my present day awareness and believe and take the risk of believing them. Because if, if I didn't, then I was just going to sit in this pool of jealousy and abandonment for the entirety of our relationship. And that's no good for anybody. That's toxic all by itself and poisoning over time, you know, to never let myself feel wanted or to trust that I'm wanted or to have a partner who no matter what you do, they're never satisfied and they never feel wanted. That's all heavy shit. That's all really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> oh, yes. What do you think? What would be easy tools that people could use when they're feeling jealous? I mean, I think one of the things we started to say was just acknowledging it. That's, mm-hmm. I think that that opens the doorways for you to feel better. I think for me, I had to, I had to learn the cocktail of what, created a jealous feeling. And I remember I left to the redwoods 
with my daughter and my partners went to the ocean. We were, we were having a separate experience. And I had a lot of feelings about just some things that had happened with the trip. And I remember saying to Ashley, we were on the phone and she was trying to tell me about the good time they were having. And I said, and it was just this moment of inspiration. I said, my compersion meter is very low. I really want to hear about this when I'm excited for you. And right now my meter is low because I'm lacking in connection. It was just this moment of insight. And it totally changed how I approached connecting with them after they've had connection, kindness to myself, that it wasn't a judgment if I wasn't ready to hear them talk about time without me all the time under their terms, that it didn't mean I was a bad partner. I was able to recognize that when we come back together and we're in person and we've snuggled and we've, you know, talked about other things and I feel connected and anchored to you again, then I'm going to be able to celebrate all of the wonderful things you experienced. And I don't want to sully it by hearing about it when I can't do that. So let's pause that. So the compersion meter was a really big realization for me. And I think if people could start to think about their own consent. Do I give consent to hear this thing? Do I have compersion? How's my compersion meter? If, if, do I have capacity to hear this thing? We'd have to tell, we'd have to agree to talk about, you know, certain topics had to be off limits completely unless I asked for them because I could, I had nowhere to put them. And over time I was able to strengthen that compersion meter. And now I, now it's relatively okay. But I think having some framework to say to your partners in a way that isn't based in their failure or your failure, I'm jealous, I feel shame, I'm jealous, you harmed me, let's get rid of all of those things, Mm -hmm. but my compersion meter is low or whatever kind of visual you like creates a way forward to talk about those things that don't put other people on the defense. I'm taking responsibility for my own feeling and saying, I don't have capacity and I love you and want to participate in this activity when I do have capacity. That is a really, really big one. I think to being able to separate what I'm feeling now, is it actually dangerous or is my body just having an old story? Am I in danger? Am I actually what in danger great today? Fucking question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can feel like I'm in danger. I can feel the whole limbic system just do its thing. Mm-hmm. But can I logically look around and my therapist makes me like touch my skin? Can I look around this room and go, right now, my partners are going to break are going to, I factually know, break up with me today. If I can't factually know it, then it's just a feeling. So let's let's take care of that. The other thing that I think was really key for me was starting to, and I love this so much, and I, I'm surprised when I say it that it's not something that everyone just organically does. So I'm pleased that I get to say it, and I hope that it's helpful, is I just started to collect moments and so that were just mine. And so the little, the little things that just belong to me, things that, you know, that Alex has just said to me or things he said when we were in a, in a moment or, you know, special places that I've been with both of them, those kinds of things that I can't argue. I can't argue them. They belong to us. We created those moments together and they are precious. And so I, they're factual as well. They happened. And, and so when I'm feeling jealous, I can just run through this sort of Rolodex in my mind and flip the card to 
when he said this thing and when she touched me that way. And when we saw this thing or we, you know, check this thing off a bo- you know, off our list, like all of these little precious things, my brain gets so busy doing that. Then I can turn the volume down on the raging fire of jealousy. I can, I can turn the fire, I can turn the volume down on it. There's like, you know, the pain, the pain theory, the gate, the gate theory of pain. And I taught this when I taught childbirth ed, and I'm, I'm wouldn't say that I'm any sort of expert on it, but it makes very simple sense. If you are in pain and, and you are provided with a pleasurable stimulus, it closes gates in your brain that experience pain. So if you are having an emotional experience of pain and you bring in pleasurable stimulus, a bath, dinner with a friend, a movie, it doesn't mean you aren't also still struggling with your feeling, but you, it turns it way, way down and it makes a lot more capacity for you to feel in the moment, the pleasurable things instead. And so I would earlier in our relationship, I would know that it was going to be date night know they were going to do something. And I would get excited. I would put out all the lingerie in my bed. I would pour myself a whiskey. I would make sure nobody bothered me that night. I would bring out every adult instrument that I thought I was going to be needing that night. I would have a full on date with myself in my apartment. And I would take all of these amazing pictures so that I could see what I thought was sexy about myself. And it wasn't any sort of, you know, recovery boudoir shoot so that I could fall in love with myself. It literally was like, damn, my ass looks good when that fringe hangs like that. Snap. I don't, it wasn't to show anybody. I didn't have to validate anything. I just liked the way that looked right there. And I got a picture of it. And so I could have this whole oxytocin experience that was sexy and present. And then through the night, I could send them a picture if I wanted to or send you a picture or send him a picture (laughs) or whatever. And so it became much more centered around me having not just a survival experience of distraction, I guess I'll go see a movie, but actually getting excited to do something that, I mean, I just wish people would just do more dates with themselves in that way. I wish people would take more pictures of themselves and just discover for themselves what feels sexy. That's a whole other thing. But I feel like I created over time this toolbox of things I can pull out and not everything works all the time. So, but I've got several things, you know, if, if date night, solo date night, isn't something that's on the table for me, can I go to a movie now? Yeah, I can go to a movie. Could I have dinner with a friend? Could I watch a movie and just really like enjoy that? This is the only place I can go and have quiet in the world. (laughs) This is the only place. So can I, can I get excited? You know, last night I was here by myself. Can I get excited about being alone? I cooked food, you know, like, Yes, I was having a feeling that they were there without me and they were having this, you know, sort of evening of really nothing spectacular, but I still can't help but feel it. But then I could just go, oh man, I'm going to cook this great food. I'm going to make him lunch tomorrow and get excited about something very present. So the last thing I'll say is kindness to yourself that you are just going to have times where it sucks and nothing you do works and it just feels bad and it's okay to lay on the floor and cry about it. It's okay to just feel bad and it's okay to write a letter about how shitty they are and how fucked up they are and how rude it is and how insensitive they are for, and then you just leave it for the morning and then you do something with it because it's just shadow leaking out of you. It needs to, it's that energy has to move and it can't all feel good. Don't have the expectation that it's only going well if you feel good feeling bad is part of it. It comes less and less over time. 
But guess what? Next week, we're going to have some new circumstance that I'm going to fucking feel jealous about. I'm going to have to do all this shit all over again. I'm going to be <laughs> mad about it. But at least now I've got a lot of practice mm-hmm. and I have a lot of confidence in myself that I can, I can do these hard things because I've done it. And I, so I know no matter what comes up for us, I'll be able to do it. They'll be able to do it, you know? So just let yourself do what you need to do in the moment. We use so many of the same tools. (laughs) I was just going to say, like, I, I'm excited to hear your tools. So, yeah, so um, I, I do, I have a proof positive list. I I have an evidence list actually on my phone, on a notepad on my phone, because when I'm feeling jealous, (laughs) I cannot come up with those things on my own. None of my partners have ever said a loving thing to me ever. All they are is hateful and they hate me and they don't want anything to do with me is what my brain thinks when I'm feeling, when I'm feeling Mm. in that, but I can pull up this notepad on my phone and I have quotes of things that they've said to me. I have experiences that we've had together and I can start coming out of it. I love that. That's so wonderful. I'm a big fan of having a sad gasm. (laughs) That's fantastic. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I used to be terrified to sleep alone. Like I was just so, I hated it. And now I've had enough practice that like, fuck, I love nights that I get to sleep alone and spread out on the bed and pile the blankets exactly how I want. And I get nobody's elbows in my face and I sleep. I don't even wake up to pee. Not once when I'm sleeping alone, nobody wakes me up. It's wild. It's such a cool experience. Um, Yeah. Gosh, there's, uh, there was something else you said that also I was, I was, I do, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> so what else are mine? I have so many. Um, I love to do breath work. I love to journal it out. I like to write it out. Um, because I, I that way I, I stop the momentum because I overthink and overthink and overthink. Mm-hmm. And I think the same shitty things over and over and over. And then like, as soon as I write it down, it's like gone. It's not even there anymore. I mean, it might come back later, but it stops the momentum in the moment. Yeah. One, one thing that I, th- that, that brings up for me is another little trick in the moment. Cause you know, these are nice, like lofty things like, Oh, just plan a date for yourself. Great. But in the moment when you're feeling like a great big pile of shit, you need something to stop the intrusive thoughts. Cause that's really what you're having are intrusive thoughts. And there was, I'm, if you've seen lost, you might know exactly the scene. And it was so powerful for me. And it's probably the only thing I really remember from that whole show is when the smoke monster appears, right? Let's say smoke monster is jealousy. It's very real. It's like everywhere. It's going to get you. You're hiding from it. And Jack says to Kate in some circumstance, I'm sure somebody will correct me on this and that's fine. I remember how I remember it. It's fine. Jack says to Kate, you can be afraid for five seconds and then you need to act. And she's standing in this probably banyan tree and it's out there and she's shaking and she surrenders to that terror. You just literally see her surrender and she's shaking and she's sweating and she counts to five and her voice is just quivering and she gets to five and she takes a deep breath and she steps out of that fucking tree. Like she does the thing. And so I give myself like, Oh, I, if I notice I'm having intrusive thoughts right now. Okay. I'm going to do that for five seconds. They think this, they want that. They really want this. You really think that. Okay. Okay. It's been some number of seconds or three thoughts or whatever the count is. Okay, now you've got to do something else. Got to do something else because that road goes nowhere good. So you can go down in a little ways, do it, but then stop 
and do something else. doesn't matter what, go for a walk, read a book, walk into your kitchen, forget why you walked in there. Just like I do like, you know, (laughs) anything else, but stop because we are in charge of our thoughts. I sometimes will see a guillotine and I'll just cut the head off of it. Stop right now. Guillotine. I got to guillotine that thought. And it's helpful. Those visuals for me as a visual person are very helpful. And I'm just standing like in my brain, I see Kate just standing there shaking and just resolutely knowing she can't just stand there forever. She's got to get out of there and she's got to do something different and watching her do it. It just, it always stuck out to me and it's a very helpful visual for me now. So yeah, stop it. So good. Yeah. (laughs) That's fantastic. Um, one of the other things that I recently learned, uh, episode 21 of my podcast, I had Julie Hamilton on, and she was talking about dealing with the other associated emotions that you feel with the jealousy, Mm. right? So like, does your jealousy feel, is it anger? Is it sad? Is it, you know, resentful? Is it Mm -hmm. rageful? You know, whatever, whatever, like, how would you deal with those other associated emotions? Right. Like take the jealousy out. What else are you feeling and deal with those feelings and and, Mm -hmm. and handle that. I thought that was brilliant. When I was in high school, our English teacher was teaching us about interpersonal communication. It's probably what seeded my love for communication. And she said, anger is a secondary emotion. And that blew my mind, like really blew my mind. And I think it kind of messed me up because for the longest time I was like, I don't have to feel angry. That's a secondary emotion. I will feel... I will tend my sadness. I will tend, you know, whatever the other, because I just, I had to disengage from anger, but I'm coming into more, I'm coming into more alignment with that now. But, but it was a really powerful thing to be able to, because, you know, passion, right? Passionate feelings, they sweep us away. They justify a lot of things that we do. And we sort of socially accept that, oh, they were swept away in passion in some version of it. You know, we go, oh, okay, well, they were swept away. Like we have some kind of permissive ideas about it, but I didn't, I don't like the lack of control because, you know, I just, I don't like that lack of control. Um, And so for me to skip the lack of control passion part and go to logic, I can, I can figure out why I'm sad. I can figure out why I'm feeling frustrated and, and I can connect with that and remedy that. And so I can skip anger altogether, but jealousy too, is such a passionate and, and there's real merit to just letting yourself feel green and freaking smoke monster terrible for a minute, but then do inquire more deeply. What is the other thing? I'm feeling afraid they won't love me anymore. I'm feeling afraid they're happier when I'm not there. I'm feeling abandoned and forgotten. Like those are the things that, that if we can, if we can dance with those things, the jealousy simmers down over time. Like once you start to heal those underlying things, the jealousy itself really just I don't want to say goes away, but it dissipates and it becomes more translucent in your life, I guess. I I don't know the right way to to say it, but it's less this incredible mist with Stephen King horrors in it. And it's just a foggy day, you know, so it's still there. You're still doing it. But, you know, nothing's going to land on your car and try to poke through your windshield and kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. Let's get rid of the horror and the terror. Yeah. And just like, you know, have, have relationships. <laughs> I mean, what if we just say yes to it? Yes, I feel jealous. Yeah. Even if we don't say it out loud, can you just say it to yourself? I feel insecure right now. That was a hard one for me to admit. I feel because I just, you know, I, there's a lot of perception that I just feel confident all the time. And, and I rise to that because I do feel pretty confident all the time. Um, and if I feel unconfident, I'm very comfortable with my lack of confidence. 
So I still sound and look confident. Tricky, tricky. But when I'm feeling insecure, that's just straight out messy. There's no way to confidently navigate feeling insecure. You just look like any other person. And that was very humbling for me to realize that I was insecure. Like what? Me? Oh my, you know, and I didn't, I never had a judgment like it was bad, but I just was not a feeling I was accustomed to having. And so it was very shocking for me. And now I just feel so much more understanding of myself as a human being, as a diverse, complex being that is not one dimensional or two dimensional, but I'm actually just as um, subject to those kinds of things as anybody else. And I actually really like knowing that about myself. And I, I have a new, I have more skills as a result of it, but it's hard to say yes to that. It's so hard to admit you are these shadow sides of yourself as much as you are the light sides of yourself, but they can't exist without each other. They just cannot. I'm sorry. So dance with, dance with all of it. That's the best thing you can do. You know, uh, it's funny hearing you say that about confidence because I am someone who has always felt insecure while everyone around me goes, you're so confident, Alicia. You're always so confident. I'm like the fuck I am. (laughs) I'm just faking it till I make it. Yeah. I think, I think for me, it was keeping myself separate from anybody's expectations of me and just doing my own thing. I wrote my own script about what my life needed to look like. And I didn't, I didn't subscribe to anybody else's perceptions of me. And so I, there was nothing to compete with. I wasn't trying to belong. I was trying to not belong and you can be really successful, which gives you an idea that you are confident when really I was just on an Island by myself trying to figure it out. But, you know, once I started needing people, <laughs> I, I learned those some things. Pesky people. Those pesky people. I, <laughs> I learned some things. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. Hey, anytime. You're awesome. I love you. I love you. This is Ooh. fun, fun stuff. Oh, I should tell the listeners, y'all, May 15th is this pretty dope program starting called Conquering Jealousy. And it's a 10 week program to help you like get out of your own way. So you can experience love and inner peace and compersion and security in your open relationship and uh, not spin out on jealousy. So check that out. There's details in the show notes and in all the places. Awesome. (laughs) That's fantastic. I love that. Get out of your own way because it's literally what it is. It's what it is. It really is. Yeah. Get out of your own way. You're the only one who can do it too. Uh, you, nobody can stop you from feeling jealous or make it better. You got to just do the work. That's yeah. it. Do the work. Exactly. We're all doing it. Mm, have fun doing the work. Yes. Best wishes on that journey. Thank you so much for listening today. It would mean the world to me personally and would help us keep this little podcast going if you would subscribe, leave a review, or share this episode with your friends. For more personalized support with your own relationships, we can work together on a one-to-one basis. Just visit my website at aliciapain.com and schedule a free call to chat about life, the universe, and your relationships. Bye.